You're listening to Ink Speak, where storytelling and poetry meet the wonder and magic of living. I'm your captain, author, poet, and unearther of life, Maverick Malone. I'm going to go with yes. There was a moment in an antique store, somewhere between the marigold mid-century modern sofa and the printed posters of Bach and Mozart already singing in the kind of silence only someone who's lived it for three decades can hear, that I found a framed painting. Some gilded thing that hadn't been loved in years the way it needed to be, not all that unlike me, both of us shoved into the corner gathering dust, but the difference was this frame held a simple painting of a single word. Yes, when mine said no. Yes, when mine said hollow. Yes, when mine said nowhere left to go. Yes, when mine said, how do you reach tomorrow when you're still buried beneath today? What do you do when the world builds you a gallery of no's and removes the doors and seals the windows and you become trapped so long that your cage becomes comfortable? Beautiful, even. And the Sandman drugs you with the song the world told him to sing and now you've heard it so much you think the words are your own. When every face is a mirror you can't look at, when every thought cuts the corner of your mouth and makes it bleed when you find yourself repeating them, when your knees buckle and your hands shake and it takes everything in you to pick your smile off the floor and stitch it back on and tuck yourself further into the next nesting doll, one into the other, making yourself smaller and smaller and smaller until you are the nothingness of bone splinters and peeling paint arranged from the crumbling cold leftovers of an archaic world that teaches people to hate but hey. It's just the way the world made them, right? It can be a cruel place, this globe of no and its oversized bang-bang gunmetal gray frame, but what is wrong with the world is that the world has been wrong so long he thinks he's right, and what he doesn't know is that you and I are in the right place at the right time, coming back to life, collecting all these old paintings and new ideas, and framing each one in a color called yes that neither of us knew existed until we dared to stare down our pain and give it purpose. Someone else might have looked at that framed yes and said it was worthless, but I know a metaphor when I see one, and that's when I dig in and unearth it, and I was looking at this simple thing, this one-word unassuming masterpiece, wondering who painted it, when, why, and I realized with a sideways smile, I was asking the wrong questions. I think yes asks us not why, but what. I think yes asks us to pluck her from all the other domino stacked squares and scrape the letters from the paint, separate the hope from the pain, and cover our hands in the capital letter H. I want it up to my neck, flowing over the top of my head. I want us to be covered in it because if we don't, who will? I'm exhausted with this world and its political climate of no's without the change and its restrictions and its violent resistance and its pious pompous let's all just give thanks and pray attitude with much ado about nothing. It's a machine gun ammo string of nothings and it's nowheres and it's nevers. I carry a knife in my pocket now to cut the canvas from the frame and hang it here from my lips on a stage so I can be an example for someone else that yes, stands for brave. Everything can always be rearranged. That yes can be more if we stare at the letters hard enough. More dug up from the dirt, bloodied and bruised but still breathing. More a heart still faintly beating. More a mantra that bears repeating. You're still here, a being in a body asking to be loved. You're still here, a song in a soul asking to be known. You're still here, hope in a shaking and outstretched hand wanting to be grabbed. You made it to this day, another day asking if you can keep going. If we. Can keep painting 
Keep hanging these golden yeses from all 50 states and let that hope radiate across oceans and find another way. Because you can't make change with just one cent. You need at least two. And when two take those new and beautiful thoughts straight to the bank, they earn dividends when you decide not to split the difference because what makes us different makes us human. And why would anyone want to live in a world that says no to that? That's what happens when a single no becomes yes. And I bet if we pooled our hearts and poured all that visceral and beautiful on a canvas, what a brilliant mess it would make. A color wheel of every hue and shade of love and connection instead of a spectrum of steel and slate shame and rejection. Can we think about ourselves as antiques? Years from now, who's going to find me? And what will they see in you? What small fingers will curl over our edges and smooth down our dog-eared corners and display us proudly on the shelf? Hang us on the wall. Build a new gallery made of only windows and doors. What will your beliefs be worth then? Will they have made a difference? Will today's nose turn to a string of tomorrow's open-ended yes? One can only hope she is a future framed in the word blessed. Hey, welcome back. Thank you for gracing me with your presence for another episode. I've been wanting to record for a hot minute, but it's been busy over here. I'm in the process of moving, which involves buying a new home while simultaneously trying to sell my own. And between showings and work and life, it's been challenging. Even this episode is one I'm just kind of squeezing in here because initially I thought episode two would be about my divorce, but that one's pretty long. There's a whole history of my universe there. So I think I'll save that one for next week. Maybe it still needs some tweaking, but this one is more of me just sharing some thoughts all the thoughts. There's been a lot for me lately. Not poetry necessarily, but other things. So much that it feels like my mouth is overflowing and my insides are exploding and there's so much to say that I can't get the words out fast enough. So they sideswipe me on the side of the road and I pull over to write. I often do this because I don't ever close the door on the muse. When the messages come through, if I don't catch them, they're gone forever. And to echo Maya Angelou, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. So I pull over when they do. I get out of the shower when the thoughts hit. I wake up in the middle of the night to write. I'm not above stopping mid-conversation if something comes through. And I put everything on hold this morning to write. The words keep coming for me and I will let them. Every time. Story after story. Message after message. I feel strongly about my work. This work. The only work of mine that matters, at least to me. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, I gotta pay my bills until these words do, but this work still takes precedence. The messages compound and I expound and the best part is I'm not even close to the best part yet. I don't know what that is, but I sure as hell can sense it. I'm wandering somewhere between that mid-century modern sofa and the singing paintings, slowly discovering what it all means piece by piece. Until that painting is complete, I'm going to ride whatever this is, submerge myself in every kind of middle and give every chapter a title that doesn't make sense because I realize the beauty is that none of it does until you get to the end. I wake up with lines and I do them on the mic or on the stage. I shoot that drug time and again in public because I know now, without a shred of doubt, it was always why I came. I proclaim to the powers that be, yo spirit, if you're listening, if there's more you want to give me, I can take it. More of these spoken word messages, more animation, more passion, more anger. The two are not mutually exclusive. And they did. 
I woke up and wrote the poem I opened this episode with about what it all means and how Doc Brown told the truth when he said we don't need roads, especially where I'm going. Just a hell of a lot of hope. And I captured that out of the ether and put it on my phone. I'm trying. I'm dreaming. I'm becoming my own creations. And what I'm discovering is this. To achieve any kind of greatness in this world, we must be willing to go beyond our own limitations. We must be willing to break away from stipulation. We must be willing to be open to revelations. This morning, I had one of those when I woke up with John Mayer's song, Waiting on the World to Change, in my head, which means there's a message for me here. As I'll further explain in an upcoming episode, I'm clairaudient, along with several of the other clairs. These psychic abilities that all of us have, all of us are capable of these. But clairaudience just means I hear things, and me especially, I get messages through songs. So I looked up the full lyrics because I could only remember the chorus, but essentially the song is about how there's so much wrong with the world the injustice, the violence, the gross inequity of wealth and power, the way the media continually tries to control everyone else by controlling the narrative. And here we are, those of us in this world who feel it so deeply, so viscerally, and we're waiting on all of it to change. I think in many ways, it's a song about hope, asking us to hold that vision, that belief that one day things will change. But in hearing it this morning, for me especially, I know exactly what it's asking of me. It's asking me, and by proxy, any and all of you listening, to not only hold out hope for that change, but to become it, to embody it. Whatever that looks like for you, big or small, all of it matters. All of it has an effect. I write about love and hope a lot because it's something this world desperately needs more of, and hope will take you to some pretty incredible places. But without aligned action, that's all it'll ever be. A dream, a vision, a long line of people waiting in the queue for change. If we want real change in this world, it starts here at ground zero of you, of me, in our minds. We have to be willing to rewire them and ask ourselves, just as the poem I wrote and opened with asked, what are our beliefs worth? Are they serving us? Are they serving the greater good? And when we're gone, what will they be worth then? With this full moon eclipse recently, I realized something. As full moons typically do, they illuminate and allow us to see that which we had not previously seen or understood. But I realized that part of my purpose, while I always knew it included words, writing, and books, at its core, it's much bigger than that. I'm here to use my words and my experiences specifically to change minds, to change and open hearts, to make sense of one cent and make change by turning it into two, to ask you to consider a different point of view, to think about your beliefs and how they have shaped you, how they have created the life you now have. And if you're not where you want to be, I'm here to help you get there in whatever way that manifests, simply by sharing what I have experienced, what I think, what I believe. Maybe by living and sharing my dream, I can help you find your way back to yours. We're in the midst of a revolution. Things are changing and you know this. We all know this. We see it and many of us sense it, this great wave of change coming. But the revolution that's happening isn't one that's unfolding in the greatest powers of this world meeting to tear each other apart on a battlefield and blow each other up with bombs and guns. This revolution is happening quietly in the mind one human at a time. There are those of us attempting to keep others in check by force-feeding hate, and there are those of us taking charge with our pens and our paint, asking us to simply think a different way. Play the game from the inside out because that's how all of this works. We're here, either quietly or openly waging this war, but it's all of us. We're not alone, despite the way the world can sometimes make us feel like we are. But we just have to make internal moves first to battle our inner demons by removing distractions and turning down all of the other voices so we can more clearly hear our own, then emerge with the lessons and the growth. 
It's the same reason I took a digital and dopamine detox a couple weeks ago that I'll be discussing in an upcoming episode. And the same reason I try to control the narrative by by owning my truth so that the world's narrative can no longer control me. It's the same reason that very thing, control, is such a buzzword for me and so many others. And I have a very deep and personal story connected to the topic of control that'll be forthcoming, but I don't want to scare you all away yet with my deepest trauma. It's like Bumble here on episode two. We're dating each other in a way. And if you've made it this far, you're still getting just a taste. So before I get a third or fourth date, I can't just suddenly appear with every traumatic event and dump them all on your plate. You and I got to get to know each other first. But hey, thanks for at least swiping right and pressing play. I want to read a passage from a blog post that Blake's story of Chattanooga Holistic Medicine wrote. And if you don't know who that is, don't worry, you probably won't unless you live in Chattanooga or have also visited that business. But just think about these words and mull them over. Words are less about the mouth they're coming from and more about what they are actually conveying and if they resonate. You don't need to know who the person is to connect with their message. And this one aligns with me, which is why I felt called to share it on this platform and amplify that voice. That's something I always seek to do. Amplify these voices, no matter how big or small, no matter who they are, if they come from a place of love, of wisdom, of higher truth, to get more eyes and ears on the ideas and thoughts we need to hear. Blake often writes very profound words on the company's blog. So if you want to read more, and I urge you to, I'll link this post and his blog in the show notes. Blake writes, The power of words to both divide and unite people is unprecedented. When we look at what actually happens in our bodies during dividing and uniting, we see unique differences. Dividing things or taking sides during a conflict results in a concentration of activity in the limbic, emotional region of our brains and creates a narrowing of our visual field. The same response occurs when we are actively angry or perceiving a threat. And I was thinking about this, about how our body perceives ideas and beliefs, how we physically respond. If the idea of accepting others as they are for allowing others to love who they love or choose for themselves is threatening, as our mind receives it, our body responds in kind. We get angry and react from a place of fear. And it feels threatening because we do not feel safe in our mind, in our bodies. When we learn to feel safe in our thoughts, that radiates out and creates change. And later in the passage, he continues, Our words are like magic spells that can either conjure conflict or create resolution. Granted, sometimes conflict is the only way toward resolution, but seeking conflict for its own sake is a sure path to misery. Act in such a way that increases the potential for others to also improve. If you fail at that, then at least you have improved yourself in the process. Don't get locked into zero-sum or either-or thinking. Choose thoughts, words, ideas, hobbies, jobs, books, movies, and friends that inspire you to be a better version of yourself. A rising tide raises all ships. Strive to be that tide. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God, a thousand points to Gryffindor on this for conveying what it is I wish more of the world would understand. We're all soldiers here. And the war started the moment you were born and you started being programmed by your circumstances, your family, your friends, society, everything outside of yourself. As we became conditioned, we built these layers over our truest nature, that most sacred and authentic self, which is incredibly precious. Some of us are on the front line shedding our 44th skin to get to this, and some of us are somewhere in the back trying our damnedest to snake our way out of the first one. And then there are the ranks and ranks of those with their eyes closed, refusing to change or accept any shred of a new idea because they live in fear and the state in which they exist has become so familiar, it has become comfortable. We're all at different parts of our journeys, but I think the important thing here is that we understand the war is within. It's in your mind. It's in mine. 
And we're all battling each other, trying to change the direction of the world with what we believe. Because if you have shitty beliefs, you're not only standing in your own way, but if you have harmful beliefs, hurtful beliefs, you're part of the problem. We're all one giant simmering soup pot of consciousness, and we're constantly contributing our own spice of self into that mix. When it becomes overrun with bitterness, the end result isn't going to taste so good. And I realize this is kind of a strange metaphor, but really that's how it is. We're this swirling mass of collective consciousness, so if the majority is made up of negativity, that's what gets reflected and made manifest in our physical. We can't just pray it all away and wait for things to change. We have to be the ones to change it. We have to change our minds. And that's absolutely what I feel in my bones as to why I'm here, to be part of that ripple effect change by telling my story of how I sucked out my own pain and spit it back into the face of every hurtful belief and bit of crippling negativity that ever told me I couldn't do this or be that, that tried to take my own love from me, that tried time and time again to pry hope from my cold, determined hands. These kinds of thoughts are not what we come into this world with. We arrive already knowing exactly how to love and having an incredible capacity for it. But we are absolutely taught to hate and doubt and fear and to tell ourselves no, to see only the differences as negatives rather than as a beautiful possibility, as something that colors this world in wonder and makes it more magical. I saw an interesting video online a few days ago where pairs of children with clear differences evident to us as adults would see, race, ethnicity, gender, And the kids were asked, what is the difference between you two? And not a single kid mentioned the obvious or what we would perceive as such anyway. The kids said things like, she likes more sauce on her pasta than I do, or he likes pink and I don't. And I thought that was both beautiful and poignant because at some point we are taught that we are so incredibly different from one another based on these supposed outliers and markers society set up that have today essentially become weaponized almost. We've made race and gender mean way more than they ever meant to. Instead of seeing this person as loving tea to our hazelnut coffee, the world teaches us to separate ourselves by skin color. Instead of seeing that person as a cat lover to our dog-obsessed self, we turn their gender identity into a thing to be regulated or outlawed. Kids don't see this, and this world would be much better off if we could be more like kids. There's only so much waiting on such a world one can do until that world becomes so loud with its gunshots and its hate rhetoric and its noise that we have to get out of line, step so far over it, and stop waiting and be the one to start changing. We all do this in our own way, and none of it is small. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it may seem so, but there's strength in numbers, and things can so easily compound. By simply allowing yourself to be more of who you are, you are contributing to and enacting on this global consciousness towards positive change. Some of us are old pennies just needing a little TLC so you can be the shiniest version. Be kinder to yourself. Do more things that you love. Listen to yourself. Love harder. Some of you are shimmering hidden gems wishing you could wear that incredibly loud ostrich feather dress with the crown, but you're a boy by society's standards that told you that's not okay. So you just have to learn to be brave and do it anyway. By being more of ourselves, it's a ripple effect. It's a kind of permission slip and a hell of a lot of encouragement for other people to be more of who they are. And before you know it, we're all dancing in the streets in delightfully tacky tie-dye jeans and gold glitter evening gowns with sequin sleeves. Okay, maybe not. Maybe that's just me and every other Leo and Gemini, but you get the point. Even just dressing how you want, wearing your soul on the outside, expressing yourself in that way is brave. And it is a form of change. And then there are some of you like me 
this message in a bottle, so to speak. For years, I was stuck in bulletproof glass. I didn't know how to get that message out because I was imprisoned in the bottle that my circumstances, experiences, and beliefs put me in. I think a lot of us feel like this. We have things we want to say to others in our various relationships, to the government, on a stage, even to ourselves, because that's where it starts. That's the first person you have to confront. But we don't know how. We're too scared. We're too far behind our own walls that we've built to keep us safe. But in doing so, we keep everyone else out. And there's no use in bearing a powerful message if the only one there to hear it is yourself. The noise keeps us from shouting. The shatterproof glass keeps us from breaking out. So instead, we tamp it all down and we break instead. But if you think about it, for some of us, that's the way we get out. If the message were a crystal ship and the ship is already fully erect within the bottle, how is it going to get beyond its own barriers? You gotta break it down. When it collapses piece by piece, you could shake it all out. Our broken pieces then get rearranged into a mosaic, into something new we didn't see before. We couldn't see it until that proverbial breakdown, the rearranging, the trying a different way. We first make the chaos beautiful, and then we make it mean something. As humans, we're really, really good at making shit mean other things. If you're also a poet, you excel at this. Lean into it. It's your superpower. Let's all make it mean something good. Find the message in your personal struggle, in your journey. Then share it. Find a way to escape your bottle. Teach others how to escape theirs. We have to reach our breaking points first, where we stop waiting and start doing. Then we can start changing. The poem I read at the beginning came to me like much of my work does at work, at my admin nine to five, that is. I don't know what it is about sitting at a desk for eight hours that gets my brain going creatively, but I tend to do some of my best work there. Maybe because part of me is staring blankly at a screen, wishing I could be here doing the real work, writing and spreading ideas and sharing, playing a role in this massive change that my subconscious and my soul start collaborating. But the day I wrote it, I heard the first line in my head, quote, there was a moment in an antique store somewhere between, end quote, dot, dot, dot. And when a line drops from the sky, I know the universe is going fishing and asking me to bite. Obviously, I do every time. So I took a break and typed, and as I was transcribing the message, I didn't think it was anything particularly special. I liked the way the words sounded, and I was passionate about the sentiment, but I hadn't yet really made sense of it. Then when I got home, I really took the time to study it. And not only that, I stood in my living room and performed it for a captive audience of sofa cushions and a tortilla blanket, which is exactly what it sounds like. A silly round blanket printed like a tortilla so I can get really meta and be a human burrito while gorging on tacos as I binge watch more of Ted Lasso. And as I was delivering the spoken word piece, I could feel every word in my bones. I read it over and over. And then two days later, I woke up with John Mayer, the song, not the man. I don't think my boyfriend would have appreciated that. And this whole message about change, about asking us to stop waiting and start thinking came through. About what you're eating on a conscious level, about the company you keep, about your core beliefs, about how you can be less them and more me. Just kidding. Me rhymed, so I didn't want to say you, but I think this point still comes through. But you know, maybe I do mean be more like me. I'm someone who grew up thinking it was not okay. None of it was okay because none of it felt safe. It was not okay to speak my mind. It was not okay to love my body. It was not okay to share my thoughts and opinions. It was not okay to wear what I wanted. It was not okay to ask for more. It was not okay to go against the grain. It was not okay to stand out. So I stood down. But now I like to get loud. I shout when I do spoken word. I shout with my body in the way I dress and what I ink on my skin and what I bleed onto the paper or speak into a mic. I do my thing. I take time for me. 
I take the full hour lunch break at work and maybe even a little more because I put in 11 years and I'm worth the extra 20 minutes. Also, guac is extra. Why can't I be? I write about the gross contradiction of religion and the agony of repeated gun violence, and I use the word pussy in poems and write odes to orgasms. I'm learning that I'm someone who likes to push boundaries because I'm tired of being controlled. I'm tired of being told who to be and what to think and what I'm allowed to say. Maybe you owe it to yourself to do the same in whatever small step you might first take, because it's a process, all of it. From the back of the class to the front of the stage, all of it is asking for us to just be honest, truthful, and brave. Because like I said, if we don't, who will? We'll be picked clean as prey from every vulture that wants us to stay the same, so they can keep playing the game the way they designed, to keep everyone beneath them, so they can stay comfortable and control the outcome. But there's so much more to life. There could be so much more if you stand up and start questioning what you've been fed. And look, I'm not perfect. I'm not William Wallace, ironclad and unafraid. I'm still raw in the middle. I'm scared too. I'm figuring this shit out as I go. But if I see things and hear things and learn things, I would be doing not only myself and my mission a great disservice by not stepping up and speaking out, but I would be letting you down. Knowledge is power. Storytelling is power. Speaking is power. You combine those three and you have the trifecta of how we impart change. We tell our stories. We share what we've learned through our experiences. We speak to where it is we've been. We do that and over time, we reclaim and change the narrative. Don't make yourself small. Stop telling yourself you can't do things. Don't keep redecorating every room in the old framed painting in every language of the word no. Make change by tasting the word yes. Take baby steps. It starts with you. What small step can you take today to make your own personal change? Is it going to the gym? Is it choosing healthier foods? Is it reaching out to a friend for help and support? Is it diving deeper into a topic that interests you or digging out the paint and canvas from the back of the closet and getting back in touch with your old passions? Try it. Try all of it. See if it leads you to your own purpose. Maybe today is the day you say yes and wear the blue glitter platforms and the orange fur coat. Maybe today you say yes and have the hard conversation you've been avoiding with him, with her, with them, with yourself. Maybe today you say yes and quit the job and start the business. Maybe today you say yes and write the book. Maybe today you say yes and start therapy. Maybe today you say yes and sit down at the piano and play simply for the sake of creativity and self-expression. Maybe today you say yes and look in the mirror and tell yourself the words you need to hear most. Maybe today you say yes and take your first solo trip and discover the difference between loneliness and solitude. Maybe today you say yes, I love you too. Maybe you say those words for the first time to someone else or maybe just to yourself. Maybe today you say yes and speak on something difficult. Maybe today you say yes and let someone else be who they are without making it mean something about you. Maybe today you say yes and support the people who need it now more than ever. Maybe today you say yes and choose differently. Maybe today you say yes and share your own story. Maybe today you say yes and speak your truth. Maybe today you finally say yes to being the real you. Thanks for sticking around until the very end. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support my one woman show, please subscribe and share it on social media or leave a rating and review. Reviews will help this pod to be found more easily, and that in turn helps this whole thing grow. To catch the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Mav Malone. Let's connect.
My DMs are always open and I'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on the latest events, books, and podcast episode releases, please head to my website, maverickmalone.com and sign up for my email newsletter. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.